Hello there. I'm Karen. I'm your host for the Woman Inspired Podcast, and I'm really glad you joined me. I hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you do, if you wouldn't mind sharing it with someone else, and be sure to follow it, because when you do, you should, I'm not guaranteeing, but you should, then also receive a notification on your phone or your computer that lets you know when a new one has been posted. So you can find the Woman Inspired Podcast on Google Play, Podbean, uh, and in the Apple Store. You can also find it on womaninspired.com, which is my website, and there's a little podcast player on the homepage. So I appreciate it again, you uh, joining me today. Today's podcast is called One Stressed Mess. Okay, so I start out every podcast with what I call a pod quote, and today's quote is by, I don't know who, but I like the quotes, so I'm going to share it with you. Ready? Self-care is giving God the best of you instead of what's left of you. And I'll repeat that because I like to repeat myself sometimes, so here we go. Self-care is giving God the best of you instead of what's left of you. So I used to do a presentation for various organizations on self-care. I called it putting the self back in care. It was an inspirational and humorous reminder of self-care and what it is, why it's so important. But that topic has recently come back up in my life once again. It's, it's almost cyclical, really. It's like as if there are different distinct seasons when... Self-care seems to be emphasized in my life or kind of pushed at me, whether I like it or not. And sadly, the pattern thus far has gone such that when I've been asked about doing self-care talks or requests come pouring in for me to to speak about self-care, not just at churches, but at different organizations, then every which way I turn, I start to see quotes and little stories or um, memes about self-care. It's usually followed, unfortunately, by me being plunged headlong into a time of chaos and busyness like like no other. As if God, though, has been reminding me that I need to take care of myself and, and preparing me ahead of time for what's about to come, which I'm extremely thankful for. He reminded me um, during these times, it seemed like before I ever got to the craziness, that I needed to take care of myself and not let the seemingly out of control chaos crowd out my time with him first and foremost and with myself. Now, I'm not prophesying over myself or predicting that I'm getting ready to be thrust into a world of chaos. Don't get me wrong, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, sometimes those seasons when I need to take extra special care of myself or pay more attention to the little things that I need to tend to really are just as much about being blessed or having blessed busyness in my life than anything else. It's more like me trying to manage all of those blessings. So it's not always some bad, tragic stuff that's getting ready to happen. I mean, we all get stressed even in the middle of being blessed. I don't know about you, but I do. We can have so many good things going on that it's almost extreme overload. It's still blessings, yet it's still busyness. It's a full calendar, even if it's full of goodness. And that alone can take us over or or take us down or wear us out and cause us to have stress. So self-care is ultra important during those times too. And by the way, if you're new to listening to my podcast, you'll know... um, 
uh, or you might not know if you're new, that I'm not shy about, well, I'm not shy about pretty much anything, including sharing my thoughts and feelings and everything else going on inside me. So let me not be shy again and let you know that one quote or platitude or Bible Belt motto and mantra I cannot stand is, I'm too blessed to be stressed. What? Oh, that sounds all so Christian-y and hunky-dory, but really, people, let's be honest. Okay, I do get it. I get that that saying is kind of thrown out there to evoke a response in us, to, to try to get us to respond by going, hmm, I am blessed. I'm so blessed. Why am I stressed? There's no need to be stressed. And kind of make us tuck our little theological tails under us in a in a bit of shame. Like if we act stressed, then we should be ashamed because we're seemingly somewhat forced to pause and look around and say, oh, I'm so blessed. And then ta-da, now I'm not stressed. Okay, I get that. I know that was exaggerated. I get that. But it's not a bad thing to pause and look around. All right. So I understand the meaning behind it. It's not bad to look inside of us and see that we are so blessed that all the eternal goodness from Jesus, his promises and the comfort of the Holy Spirit is much greater than any stress that we see or anything that we have to endure. That's the truth. And I know that. But I don't believe that just because you're blessed, you can't also be stressed. Hello. Jesus knew he was the son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. He knew the amazing blessings to come for him. He knew that he would be with his father in heaven once he died. That's pretty major. That's the blessing, the eternal birthright he had. And yet he had times he was stressed. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. John eleven thirty five. That's the easiest scripture to remember in the entire Bible, by the way. It's just two words. Jesus wept and he did. How stressed do you feel when someone you love and care for dies? Don't you think Jesus was stressed? He cried. He wept. Even though he knew that Lazarus would be raised from the dead, he still wept. And Jesus was angry when the religious leaders acted like they were better than others. And he was angry when people decided to use the temple courts to make profit and sell their goods. So these money changers, as they were called, made him angry. And he literally shouted to them to get out. He took whips and drove them from the courtyard. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen that? I mean, he took whips and drove them from the courtyard, turning the tables over. Have you ever, ever gotten angry enough to turn a table over, but in the middle of it had the ability to stop and say, Oh, wait, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Why am I so angry over this? Have you ever been able to rein in your anger, even righteous anger, which is what Jesus had in the heat of the moment to be able to be happy in the middle of that anger and just say, oh, um, never mind. I'm, I'm too, too blessed. I don't need to be stressed like this. Um, no, I don't know about you, but I never have. And before Jesus was arrested, fulfilling the prophecy of him dying on the cross, he knew what was coming. He knew the blessing to come. Once he was resurrected, but he knew the trial that was going to happen in order to get there first. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and he was so stressed. He had what is called hematodrosis, hematodrosis, right? That's a real thing. It means his tears had blood in them. Yep, that 
That's a real thing. The Bible isn't made up. It's truth. And this is a real condition that can come from immense stress. Jesus wept bloody tears of anguish when he prayed. That's how stressed he was. And yet, was he not about to receive the most amazing blessing in the days to come? Well, heck, Jesus, why didn't you just jump up dancing in the Garden of Gethsemane and shout, I'm too blessed to be stressed. It doesn't matter that I'm going to be hung on a cross and stoned to death because woohoo, what's coming is great. No, I, I think that, that he had the stress before he felt, oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> okay, so to say I'm too blessed to be stressed, it's not reality. And it it's, it's like I said, to me, a Bible belt mantra model that needs to go away. Isn't that what we're encouraged to do though, is to act like that as if we're too blessed to be stressed? No, we're not facing the cross, praise God, but we are often faced with really serious trials and heavy burdens of our own to carry in. And yet if we follow the example of Jesus, we don't have to shout for joy over being stressed, but we can pray through it. We can weep, anguish, pray in earnest, For the Father to take this cup from us, which is what Jesus did. And if he doesn't take this cup, whatever is in it that that is so difficult for us to face. If he doesn't take it from us, then we can get up and face whatever it is we have to face. Knowing that even if we are stressed, a blessing will come. Because we have prayed with him. Because he's in the middle of it with us. We have prayed to God for him to be with us. Our obedience goes hand in hand with God's favor on us. Even if that blessing doesn't happen just when we want it, it's always, always, I mean, always just when we need it. And so all of this goes right along with the other false narratives that we're told we should believe in, in order to be considered good Christians. I contend some of these platitudes in Christian speak is what scares off non-Christians. I mean, if you don't truly know the deeper meaning of too blessed to be stressed, and let's say you're at work and your life at home or your finances, your relationships are a complete mess. Some of it by your own fault and some of it by other people's fault or just good old life circumstances. But you walk by another person's office and you say, hi, how are you? And their answer is, too blessed to be stressed. What must that make you feel like? Well, I'm not blessed because I have all this stress. And and maybe God doesn't love me or I'd be happy-go-lucky sounding too. I'm walking around quoting Christian memes and Disney characters. Why should I believe in a God like that? Guess what? You can be blessed and stressed. That's reality. You can have faith but still have fear. You can have an amazing love for Jesus Christ and still have doubt. You can have an overflowing love for God, but still dislike where he's called you to go and to be in the moment. You are being perfected little by little, day by day, as he molds you and shapes you. And yet still, you won't be perfect. You can be peaceful in the storm, but the storm can still rage on. And your heart can be willing to go and be and do whatever it is he's leading you to do. And your flesh might still try to hold you back. You can have a deep belief in God's hand on you, but still have times of unbelief. You can take care of yourself and not be selfish. And all the while, you are still his child. All the while, you are still loved by 
the Lord. All the while, he has favor coming your way if you'll just keep praying through the stress in earnest. Take action when he says to and rest as he calls you to. And so that rest thought brings me back to the self-care topic, including our quote. Is self-care selfish? Maybe some of you have been been, um, bombarded through your work. Um, Maybe work-life balance mantras from your HR department at work. Or you've read, oh, so many memes on social media about self-care. And now you can't help but roll your eyes, like I sometimes do. Sorry, (laughs) when you hear the term self-care. I've read memes and social media posts, as well as heard a pastor, though, recently say that Self-care and self-love were the epitome of narcissism and the downfall of our nation. Yeah, I actually heard a a pastor say that. The downfall of our nation. Um, Sorry, but I don't see that in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says we should love others as we love ourselves. And if we love ourselves, people will be taking care of ourselves. And just look around the world. Those people who seem the most narcissistic seem to be those who don't love themselves so much. They treat others horrifically. And even though they seem totally obsessed with themselves, the reality is they are obsessed not with loving themselves, but with trying to heal themselves, soothe themselves, cope, get attention from other people and make themselves feel better in any way and every way they can. So everything is all about themselves so they can somehow feel better about their own life and their own existence. But I believe narcissistic people are struggling to find out who they are when really, if they knew to the core of their soul whose they were, that they belonged to Jesus, their eyes, their intentions, their focus would be on something other than themselves. These people are self-centered, not Christ-centered. No, the Bible doesn't say to be self-centered. It says we are to love ourselves, forgive ourselves, take care of ourselves and our temples. And all of that equals self-care. In Mark 6, Jesus tells the disciples to go, get rest, and to seek quiet. A lesson we should all apply to our lives, right? And in 1 Corinthians 6, it tells us that we should take care of our temples. You do not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Do you not know? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That's Jesus talking. And one of my favorite verses in the Psalms is Psalm 4, 8. I will lie down in peace and sleep. For though I am alone, O Lord, you will keep me safe. This reminds me that I should get rest, that I should rest in the Lord, but I should also physically sleep and get this rest. No matter the stress going on, I can rest in God because he will keep me safe. That means my thoughts, my family, my finances, everything. He will keep me safe so I can sleep and rest. This is self-care. And when I don't sleep and I don't rest, really, you don't want to be around me. And, and sleep is a struggle that I have. So I have to consistently go to the Bible to remind myself that it's okay and I can rest. Maybe you're one of those people 
um, a little bit like me, perhaps, who sometimes can't recognize when you've ignored your own self-care or ignored it too long for sure. When you're stressed and bubbling inside from being too busy, too committed, or too, too many things. Or maybe you've let some area of your health go unchecked, so you're unhealthy dealing with this busyness or maybe recovering from some trauma or a tragedy. And then you realize, oh, I haven't slept well for a week. Or all of a sudden something wells up inside you and it all comes up exploding into torrents of tears. You know, you just cry at every time you turn around. Not just at Kleenex commercials and things like that, but just every little thing sets you off or drags you under. Or maybe for you, it comes out in some snappy, sarcastic, or, or rude comment, or, or even big outbursts of anger that you have. Let me share with you how I can tell I'm getting to the point where I need some serious quiet time, rest time, self-care. Um, you know, it's, it's when those 10 minutes of worship music in the car on the way to work, or the 15 minutes of devotional time a day, and the, the Bible study once a week, and the prayers at night are, aren't enough, and they're not cutting it. Well, because frankly, that routine is not enough for me anyhow on a regular basis. And and it's probably not enough for most anyone any given week, let alone in times of great stress or busyness. So we need more than that. We need the resting in God, the quiet, so we can hear him. Uh, The dedicated time in prayer and worship, the resting our bodies, eating right, time for laughter, time for family, more than just a few minutes a day and more than a couple hours a week. You know, most of us know how to take better care of ourselves. All these things that I just said, we know that it's been drilled in our heads, at least those of us um, who are probably, you know, 55 and under because it's become such a huge thing in our society. And yet we're ashamed to admit it. We need this extra self-care or we, we don't do it because we get so busy or we're trying to, to keep up with a career and family and church life and all these other things. So we don't do it, but we know how to do it. We've read those 100 memes and 20 articles and listened to podcasts or sermons about how to take quiet time, 10 tips on a better prayer life, and 15 ways to worship in the middle of your day, and how to be still when the world is racing all around you. But identifying just when we need that is a little bit harder. Knowing when we've gone too far, too hard, too long without that important self-care is sometimes difficult because we can easily get to a state of comfortable chaos. That's what I call it. We get used to the busyness and the ignoring our own needs. Even when our spirit, our heart, our mind, and our body are crying out, we ignore it. We've learned to ignore the cries. It's become our sad, sad societal norm. We get our heads down and our eyes focused on our to-do list and we forget that we might, you know, we just might be heading for a fall if we don't stop rest, take a deep breath, pray, and take care of ourselves like we should. So how can I tell when I've not done my due diligence with self-care? First of all, when I start degrading myself, you know what I mean? When I, when I mess something up or maybe trip or slip or bump into things. And the first thought that comes to my mind and the words that come out of my mouth are something akin to, um, Oh, I'm so stupid or, Oh, what an idiot I am. Or I look in the mirror and it doesn't matter how made up, dressed up, fresh I look. My first thought is, oh, 
you look horrible or, oh, you're so fat or what's wrong with you? Yeah, that's uh, a key for me to pay attention that I'm heading in the wrong direction and I need to take some time. So that lack of self-love in those moments ekes right out of me when I'm not taking care of me. Inevitably, that self-love turns to self-loathing and it spills over into loathing everyone and everything around me and I have no tolerance for anything. And even if it's only for a blink of an eye or a thousand blinks, it still happens. And I shouldn't let myself get to that point. You, you love others like you love yourself. And when I loathe myself, I tend to start loathing everyone around me. Lack of sleep. That's another clue for me. It's not the, oh, my hormones are flashing or my puppy is throwing up and, and I can't go to sleep or because I'm concerned or there's a lot of thunder outside kind of sleeplessness. But the, the thoughts racing and the edging on worriness and things going over and over and over in my head, that kind of sleeplessness. And then there are the slight overreactions. Okay, that can lead to extreme overreactions, but it's kind of like... Um, an incident I had um, today. For me, these can be overreactions that result in um, extremely quick anger or extreme silliness. Basically, lack of self-care makes me extreme, I'm just telling you. And I usually tend to go to the sillier route um, because I'm kind of a goofy person anyhow. But it's something my husband and kids are thankful for, by the way, because I am like I said, I'm usually a very goofy person. So I get even, but I get to the extreme goofiness. <laughs> but when I go to the extreme and make myself laugh till I cry, um, even if it's not funny, it means I've well kind of gone to that extreme. So what was the incident that happened today? Okay. I'm going to share it with you. Well, um, I had canvassed the building where I work for some caffeine because frankly, sleep, sleeplessness, set in like crazy the last few nights. Hmm, go figure. Um, but I was on a search for this caffeine that I felt I very much needed. And I'm not a big caffeine drinker. If I drink more than one little glass of caffeine, I am like wired for 24 hours. So I was just going to find a little bit of caffeine. Little dabble do me. That's all I needed. I don't like, nor do I drink coffee. Although you might catch me buying coffee just to sniff it because I love the smell of it. It reminds me of waking up in the morning when I was younger and smelling the coffee my mom and dad would brew and seeing them sit at the table together. So I just love the smell of coffee, but I don't like the taste of it. So anyhow, I was on a quest for my favorite one and only caffeine infusion, Dr. Pepper. 10 different vending machines and my frustration was mounting. I'd grabbed my phone, thank goodness, and put my headphones in to listen to a podcast and decided to walk the building until I found some Dr. Pepper. So the walking didn't bother me at all. In fact, I, I needed it to stay awake. So I turned on a podcast and away I went in search of that Dr. Pepper. I'm wearing pants with no pockets today, so I put my change in my bra, two quarters and a dime. So yeah, if you just gasped, no worries. If you must know, the soda in my building only costs 60 cents a can. I know, praises for that, right? So I go from vending machine to vending machine around the building until, ta-da, I finally found one, the 10th one, with Dr. Pepper that was left in it. It actually had some cans of Dr. Pepper. And it was in the basement. So then I couldn't recall, as I get up to the vending machine, where my change was. 
I'm looking around as if someone might be there to tell me where I put my change. And when I finally remember that it was in my bra, <clears throat> this vending machine, again, was in the stairwell of the basement, though. So I just kind of glanced around. And since I saw the one, I reached right into my bra <laughs> and started searching for my change. Let me just say this. I'm so glad I just bought new bras, by the way, ones that are without an underwire. I haven't had a bra without an underwire in years and they are unbelievably comfortable and they're still supportive. And if you need more info on that, you can email me or leave me a comment and I'll get you the info on where to get them. And yes, yes, I, <laughs> I do realize this. These are my thoughts as I'm standing in, in front of the vending machine, um, wondering where my change went and thinking about my underwire bra. Cause yes, I do realize that an underwire free bra, a bra with no underwire puts me at a severe disadvantage. If ever I were to get kidnapped and chained to the inside of a railway car, because I wouldn't be able to chew through my bra to get the underwire out and use it to pick the lock on the chains. <laughs> but it's a chance I'm willing to take. And yes, this is what I was thinking about as I was standing in front of the vending machine. Yes, extreme. Okay. <laughs> so underwire free as I was, I started digging around in my bra. I found one quarter and a dime, but no second quarter. And I thought, oh no, this new underwire free bra has let my chain slip through its clutches somewhere in the track around the last nine vending machines. And then uh, this is really what I was thinking. So then I thought, no, no, it has to be in here somewhere. So I basically ended up with my arm halfway around my C cups, all the way up to my wrists, digging into my bra for my change. And I couldn't find it. And then I just started to giggle. So here I am with my arm like every which way in my C cups and I'm giggling. I can imagine what I looked like. I just busted out laughing at one point so hard that I had to take a minute before I resumed my hunt for the missing quarter. And I did finally find it. It was hiding nearly underneath my right armpit at that point. How it got there, I don't know, but I was still laughing when I found it. So as I'm doing a little jiggle and I'm I'm, I literally am doing an, I'm so happy I found my quarter dance in front of the vending machine. I hear more giggling, but it wasn't coming from me. <laughs> so I looked all around, but I saw no one. So I was like, whatever. I put my change in the machine. I selected my Dr. Pepper. I got that nice cold can out of the machine and I held it up in victory and went woohoo with the Dr. Pepper above my head. And then I heard the giggling again. And this time, instead of looking around, I looked up, up the stairwell above me. And there I see the face of a man looking over the railing about two floors up. I busted out laughing and I held my Dr. Pepper up like I was giving him a toast and I left. It really didn't dawn on me to be embarrassed in that moment or wonder who that was that I, I saw in the stairwell who was um, laughing at me until I got back to my desk and then I thought, oh my gosh, thank God I don't know who that is. And then I sat down and just continued to laugh and I thought, oh boy, I'm getting giddy. I'm like getting super silly again. Extreme. It's extreme. Now the extreme silliness is not really an issue, but it is almost always a precursor or a warning sign to me that I'm starting to become extreme. Like sensitivity to other people's words and actions or easily being agitated is getting ready to come. So I need to stop and have some self-care time. And so on those days or, or during these times, this is when I have begun to realize that I have not taken time 
for quiet time enough and self-care like I should. It does make for some interesting and nice stories I can share. And apparently I made an impression because yes, of course you knew this wasn't the end of the story. As I was leaving the building today, I got on the elevator and standing right there in front of me was a man. And as I pushed the first floor button, he says, did you enjoy your Dr. Pepper? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I just busted out laughing. What else could I do? But I'll, I will, I know my face turned red. I will tell you that. Anyhow, so that's when I had sense enough um, for my face to turn red and I, I went home and had some quiet time with God. <laughs> so now, now I could have told you about the time I got so angry at the driver in front of me that I wanted to ram my car into his, but instead I pulled over on the side of the road. I calmed myself down. I prayed in earnest, I can assure you, um, so that I would calm down. But that initial reaction to a crazy driver for me, but like serious thoughts of how I wanted to ram that driver, that was extreme for me. And it was a clue. It was a warning sign. Maybe for others, it's a normal thought, but for me, it was extreme. And I could have told you about the time I flew off the handle at my husband over one small thing he said that I took completely the wrong way. Again, an extreme reaction to a small thing. Because we all have our breaking points, our telltale signs, and, and our own means of self-care, too. My prayer for you today, though, is that you will recognize your signs. I encourage you to take the time to figure out what those signs are and heed those warnings. Don't let yourself get too far and so far to the point where, okay, if you're just laughing and it's something silly and you have your arms stuck in your C-cups, Okay, that's fine. You're not hurting anybody. But if it's a warning sign, let it be a warning sign. Laugh it off, but then you need to seek God and start praying for what is it that you need to do? Do you need to have quiet time? Do you need to pray? Do you need to be by yourself for a few hours? Do you need to read your Bible? Do you need to worship? Do you need to go take long walks, a hot bath, uh, whatever it is that helps you? Do you need to just hole away in a hotel room and do nothing but but watch movies and sleep for 24 hours with nobody else around and listen to music and immerse yourself in that, whatever it is that works for you, that you know you need to rejuvenate and uh, retreat in order to um, take care of yourself, period, inside and out. Your heart, mind, body, and spirit will tell you when you've gone too far, too hard, too fast, too long, I encourage you to pay attention. When you do, you're not only being obedient to God, but you'll then be prepared to give him the best of you, not what's left of you. Thank you all so much for tuning into this podcast today. And I pray that you will not be one stressed mess <laughs> and that you will be able to face uh, each day knowing that God has his hand on you and he will help you take care of you.